I yeah. beg you to go in and watch every snap of every game that Brock Purdy has played and tell me that he is does not deserve right now to be in the MVP conversation. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Chasing It. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel. Week 11 Sunday, we saw some crazy stuff, Chase, including the end of the Rams-Seahawks game. For a long time, it looked like Seattle was going to put themselves in position for this huge Thursday game, Thursday night game on Thanksgiving they had with San Francisco, and then it all fell apart late as the Rams steal this win, but it felt like the Seahawks gave the Rams a helping hand in somehow giving this game to them. Well, there's no doubt. And the fact that, that the Rams scored the last 10 points of the game to come around and, and they're, they're, listen, the Seahawks are a better team than the Rams. They, sh they should have finished them off. Obviously, um, if you didn't watch the game, Geno Smith got hurt. He was out for two or three series. Drew Locke came in, did, did absolutely nothing. And uh, Rams defense held. Um, Geno got hit in the elbow, looked like an ulnar nerve type issue where he just couldn't yeah. grip the ball on the sideline at all. I've had that happen before. It's awful. He had a huge wrap on the sideline. We're watching it, and all of a sudden, the Rams are just driving the ball. They ran the ball down. The, um, uh, the Seahawks throw out the last drive. Uh, Seahawks held, kicked a field goal, and then Geno is getting loose on the sideline. I'm like, yeah, I get chills. I'm like, dude, this is your time. Like, this is your time. You're down two. You need a field goal to win. Okay, get a couple completions. Third and eight, long one over the middle to DK Metcalf. Love the touch he put on that. Just a little over. Okay, there's... 22 to 21 seconds on the clock. The Seahawks, instead of getting up and spiking it spiking. with 20 or 21 seconds on the clock, they decide to get in shotgun and run inside zone. And it gets stuffed for two yards. M mind you, this is a 55-yard field goal. So they think that they're in range. They're, they're, they're on the edge of the kicker's range. Like, get up, spike it. Okay, instead, they... Spike it at seven seconds left, and Myers tries a 55-yard field goal, misses it wide right. Like, easily could get two more plays off if you spike it at 20 seconds, okay? And if you want to throw out of bounds, you might get more, but 17 seconds is always that number for the cutoff. What I saw from them was just outrageous clock. Like, this type of clock management, and, and Trey, you know better than We've seen it so many times this year. And, and, it's, and it's like these, these coaches and these players just brain fart. They just have a fog around them. Like, if anything, this should be the time and part of the game that you've rehearsed so many times because it's the most important game. How many how, part of the game? How many times do we see a game come down to the two-minute drive? Like, get up, spike it with 20 seconds, and then do it. And look, and that's the biggest thing about this is, like, they're 6-4 and four now. They should be seven and three, even with that offense not clicking. That defense is playing really, really well, and they would have had a humongous matchup on Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, with the seven and three Forty ers But now they're not tied for first; they're in second place, and it's just—it was just a brutal ending. Because at the end of the day, this team should have beat um, a, a team that they're better at, and that's the Rams. I just don't—I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. Situational football is something that seems lost on a lot of people, a lot of coaches, and a lot and a lot of players at this point. And that's usually we talk about all the time those one or two situations where you need to know exactly what you want to do in those situations when it's crunch time, and that more often than not wins you the game or loses the game for you. You mentioned they go into this Thursday night game with San Francisco. San Francisco, the bye week came at the perfect time. They put up two big victories. Brock Purdy, by the way, became the first 
San Francisco quarterback ever with a perfect passer rating with at least a minimum of 20 attempts. Both Joe Montana and Steve Young have done it in the past, Hall of Famers, but they didn't have at least 20 attempts. Brock is the first guy to do it in that situation. And we've said it all along, Chase. When the, when the Niners were struggling through that losing streak, Brock Purdy was not the problem, and he proved today, once again, he wasn't the problem. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like, uh, this is probably something that gets my blood boiling more than anything yeah. in the world. The, the narrative around in the national media, the narrative around Brock Purdy, and, 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 and it's big-time talk show hosts. It's Stephen A. Smith. It's Shannon Sharp. It's all these guys, and, and they, they, you know, they have a lot of power and influence. So people just turn on the tube and TV and watch them, and they believe them. I yeah. beg you to go in and watch every snap of every game that Brock Purdy has played and tell me that he is does not deserve right now to be in the MVP conversation. I'm serious. Like the dude is bawling out of his mind and it, it just and I tweeted this earlier and it went wild. And and my tweet was this. It was like like put some respect on Brock's name because the ease at what he is doing is insane. And what do I mean by that? Like he makes things look easy as an NFL quarterback. Some of these deep dagger balls where he's layering throws over linebackers, he threw a dagger uh, um, back across the field when Brandon Ayuk was outside of a defender and Ayuk still had to cross the defender's face and get inside before a linebacker blew him up. Like the throw that I saw like right there, like it's, it's insane. Look, I get it. The biggest thing is like, People think the system is what's making Brock Purdy. I disagree. I think Brock Purdy's making that system everything that Kyle Shanahan dreamed of. And when people say different, I say, go watch my film breakdowns. Go turn on the film. Actually watch the dude play football because it is poetry in motion. Yeah, listen, and I want to be clear. It's great that you're promoting your own stuff. And if you want to do that too, or just watch the All-22. Just go watch the All-22 tape that's available on, on NFL.com. It, you'll see it, right? You'll see it right there, the things that people are talking about. But this now sets up a massive showdown, as we said, Thursday night. The only problem for San Francisco is Hafunga is now lost for the year with a torn ACL. How significant, in your opinion, is that to that defense, which has clearly been bolstered by the trade deadline acquisition of Chase Young? Yeah, I mean, look, that, that, that's why they went out and bolstered the defense with Chase Young. And Hufunga, to me, is a guy on the back end that has really, the past couple years, really showed who he can be, and that is a ball-hawking free safety. A guy that's always around the ball, a guy that gets the back end set up, a guy that's a true leader. And so we talk about this all the time. Of course he's going to be missed on the field, but he's going to be missed in that locker room. He's going to be missed on the field, getting stuff together, the leadership aspects that he brings. I think that, to me, is the biggest thing. Look, he's still going to be around the team, and ACL people are like, oh, it's just ACL, he'll be back. Like, it's a serious injury. It's a serious yeah. injury at the end of the Come day. On. Like, like it is not, it is not easy. It's like a car wreck. And, and so like, there's always that human aspect of things that I want to hit on and make sure people understand like, dude, this is not only like a big time injury, but it's a big time player for the team. And they're going to have to, they're going to have to pick it up somehow. Uh, they will. Uh, but if Seattle plays the way they did in the end of the game against the Rams, they won't have to pick it up that much because that was self-destruction by the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. So if Brock Purdy clearly isn't the problem, for the San Francisco 49ers. I think it's time to admit that Kenny Pickett might be for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, the Steelers were like, hey, doesn't matter. We're outgained every week. We were 6-3. and three. You know, it's a team game. Well, you went into Cleveland, right, against a really good team with a really, really good defense. And they were starting a rookie, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a yeah. quarterback, his second career start. He threw for more passing yards 
than Kenny Pickett in that win with Dustin Hopkins getting the field goal uh, as time expired. It's time to pull the Band-Aid off anything that anybody felt was acceptable with the Steelers' offense. It is putrid, and it is not sustainable, and it's not good enough to get them anywhere near where they want to go. Well, and I don't, I don't like, that's the thing. Like, I, I'm like, is it Matt Canada or is it Kenny Pickett? It's probably both. It's, it's probably a combination. Both, but, it's, it's a package then, deal but, at this point. Yes, yes. And then I go and I look at, like, who they have behind Kenny Pickett. Mitch Trubisky. At least you know what you're getting. Right, and with let's Mitch be clear, you are, you are very yeah. familiar with Mitch from your days together in Chicago. So you're not just speaking, yeah. you know, haphazardly here. No, and, and I know him very well. And, and at least he's going to give you a chance to to put a little bit of spark in the offense. Like, I'm not saying, maybe I am saying, maybe you need to, like, give Kenny Pickett a couple games off. Don't say the word bench. Don't say the word bench. Just give him a couple games off. See what Mitch can do, because the way that this defense is rolling, look, I get it. It, it. Like, you go into Cleveland, and Cleveland at home has been supremely stingy on defense. Yeah, like, their defense, like best right. in their defense has home, been way better at home, home than on the road. Yeah, way better at home. Way better, way better. So you knew going into the game, it was going to be one of those 13 to 12, 13, 10 games. The over-under was 32 and a half, the lowest it's been in a long time. And, you know, for both quarterbacks, really DTR and Kenny Pickett, my whole thing was like, just end every drive with a kick. Whether it's a punt or a field goal, you're good. Don't turn the ball over. It's a field position game. And then that's what we've seen from Kenny Pickett, like the whole year. I would love to get a stat sheet, and maybe next show when we talk about him, because I'm sure we'll talk about him next show um, oh, yeah. if he's if he's playing, because he'll probably play pretty bad. But if you do a first, second, and third quarter stat breakdown, his numbers have got to be so bad. And if you go in the fourth quarter, they're decent. So I thought this is what this game was going to be, is a fourth quarter Kenny Pickett-type game. But in the end, it was DTR who showed up and was able to make that two-minute drive for Dustin Hopkins to make the game-winning field goal. Well, well, that okay, but that's the issue, right? Like, this is a, this is a rookie in his second quarterback, second game as a starter in the NFL yeah. quarterback, doing things that Kenny Pickett has not done in his second season as a starting quarterback. So if you're the Steelers... Like, what is the solution here? Because they went into this game with the fewest red zone drives in the NFL. The other four teams that were below them at uh, four more TD drives in the red zone, or red zone drives, excuse me, were combined 10 and 27 before the start of the day. I mean, they're so far outside of the normal in terms of what a functional offense looks like. It's just been masked by this incredible defense. Is it fixable in any way with the people that they have in place? I mean, they, they have some players, right? Deontay Johnson, Jalen Warren, uh, pick, like like Pickens to me is is a guy, and and you're just not fe- like, and I said it before, like you got to feed Pickens, like he's a guy that you got to get, uh, like ready to go early in the game, get the ball to him, get him going. I've been with a couple receivers like that, or if you don't get them a catch or two in the opening drive, they just feel like they're not part of the game plan right. and they're not playing well. And I think that's who Kenny Pickens or, or George Pickens is. If you get him involved from the start. Like, okay, and you got you got a stud in Jalen Warren. Like, to me, like, the dude is a baller. So, you can't just rely on your defense. You can't just rely on your run game. And you have to, at some point, be able to function as an NFL quarterback. And right now, it's, it is a little bit of both. It's, it, they're married together. It's, it's Canada in the offense. It's Kenny Pickett in the offense. And you had a perfect, like, tweet earlier. I thought it was great about you just talking about, like, stat central on the Steelers and just what they were. And I just, I mean, I, I listened to it. I was like, I can't, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Like, it's just, it well, is unheard of. It, yeah, like 18 red zone drives. Red zone drives? Yeah. 18 like, red zone, before today, 18 red zone drives on the season. That was the fewest in the NFL. 
Uh, going into this week, there were 14 teams with winning records. The Steelers were last in points per game, yardage per game, and had the worst point differential and yardage differential out of all the winning teams. So they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors. The mirror cracked and the smoke went out Sunday in Cleveland. Now they got to figure the real stuff out if they're <laughs> going to get it going because that stuff is not sustainable and it's not going to work. One thing that may be way more sustainable yeah. than we thought is the Houston Texans. And yes, we've, we've praised C.J. Stroud a million times over, and he had three interceptions today, but he still played really well outside those three interceptions. And yes, yeah. that's, a, that's possible, just so you know. But that's a possible thing to happen. But I, I, if we just focus on C.J. Stroud, I think we're missing the bigger picture in Houston because this was a, this was a franchise yeah. that, ever since Bill O'Brien left, had been irrelevant. Like, no one cared. Texans, who gives a shit? Why do I need to watch the Texans? Yeah. D'Amico Ryans has come in year one and made them a legitimate football team with, obviously, the help of C.J. Stroud. But it's not just that. It's Tank Dell. It's Nico Collins. It's pickups like Dalton Schultz. It's pickups like Noah Brown. This organization has had an amazing reboot. And if we just focus on C.J. Stroud, and he might be the best rookie quarterback we've ever seen. But if we just focus on C.J. Stroud, I think we're doing the Texans organization a massive disservice because they've earned all the crap that they've been given for the last four or five years. So it's time to give them their flowers now with the way they've turned things around. They've already doubled their season win total from a year ago. No one in their right mind thought that they would be the sixth seed through 11 weeks in the NFL. I'm sorry. If you did, you're crazy. You might be an amazing Houston Texans fan, but dude, you didn't see it. And that's what we've talked about before, and I'll say it again. CJ Stroud is helping, but it is not just CJ Stroud. You, in my mind, in my opinion, it starts with D'Amico Ryans in the type of person he is, the type of coaching staff that he's surrounded himself with. Not only um, those, but those players too. And those those coaches are doing a hell of a job right now, making sure that those players are in the right position to succeed. He's brought an attitude. He's brought a culture that Houston hadn't seen in four or five years, and it's the complete complete opposite tray of the Bill Belichick, New England Patriot way. And that just goes to show you there's many ways to win in this league. And the number one way, and I've been around a lot of coaches, the number one way is to have a relationship. It's a relationship-based business. Have a relationship with your head coach. Have a relationship to truly care outside of football about your players. If your players, grown men, okay, you're not talking about college-age players. If your players can believe in you, and they trust you, they will play harder for you. It is a proven fact of all the coaches I've been around, the guys that I have really enjoyed, that have really spoke life into me, that have spoke life into our team, you play harder for coaches you care about. Yeah, it's a relational business, right? Like, if you believe someone's being straight with you and has your best... The best example we can do to sort of show the opposite side of D'Amico Ryans is Josh McDaniels, Right? That's sort of the antithesis here. And it's not just yeah. with the Raiders. It happened with him in Denver. Josh never understood that part of it. Josh wanted to be Bill Belichick without Bill Belichick's resume with Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, like, that, that was the part he never understood. It's brilliant that D'Amico under... It, it takes a certain humility, I think, for someone to walk in there and say, look, I'm the head coach. Ultimately, things come with me. But if you guys don't have my back, I'm not going to do shit. And I think that that's hum- humble, humbleness, and intelligence that D'Amico brings to a first-time head coach situation that a lot of people simply don't. Yeah, he's balling, man. He's balling, and and that's that's the biggest thing is like at the end of the day, 
like the buck stops with the head coach and the head coach is going to have the final say um other than the owner depending on how the the situation on the hierarchy set up with the gm but right, right now it's just it, it, like i was waiting for D'Amico ryan's because he like it's another thing too former players man like in my opinion like dan campbell like i take dan campbell like they just make right coaches that you want to run through brick walls for that you will do anything for that truly understand the grind of the game that understand not only what you go to through physically, but mentally and psychologically, they understand it all from the scheduling to practices, to travel. It's the little things that make all the difference. And when those little details add up over a season and it's happening faster here for D'Amico Ryans. That's when wins start coming. That's when you get a little swagger. That's when you get a little confidence. That's when you get hot and you're seeing this right now, especially from CJ Stroud. Okay. CJ Stroud threw three interceptions today. And did you see his quote after the game? He's like, man, I'm like Steph Curry, man. I'm gonna keep shooting like yeah. for a rookie to say, you know, how many rookies that throw three picks really back to back too. If you, if you watch the game, the, the last two to let Arizona back in the game, like, to me, that's baller, and that is, like, true franchise-type stuff right there. Well, we go back to the, the game last week against the Bengals where he made the critical mistake, and he still led them down for a, a potential game-winning field goal, which the field goal kicker made. I mean, like, he, short memory, we talk about that with cornerbacks. Sometimes, if you have a short memory as a quarterback, it also is very beneficial to your team. And, and you're right, here they are in the thick of the playoff race and, and potentially still around uh, for the AFC South crown, uh, with the Houston yeah. Texans. You mentioned Dan Campbell. I think the Lions really showed something today because I believe good teams find a way to win on bad days. Like when everything's rolling, yeah. like the Ravens a few weeks ago against the Lions or the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago against the Chargers where Mahomes had 300 yards in the first half and they, everything was cooking. <laughs> That's fun. That's easy. But yeah. good teams... When the shit's going sideways and still find a way to win, th those are special things. And I think yeah. the Lions today, they had three interceptions from Jared Goff, and maybe the Bears helped them out a little bit. At the end of the day, the Lions put themselves in that position. They had a bad day, and they won a game. They're now uh, where they are, 8-2, and two, for the first yes. time since 1962. 60-some-odd years. Heading the Thanksgiving Day showdown yeah. with, the, with the Green Bay Packers. I'm telling you right now, the Lions on Sunday proved to me they are a good team because they found a way to win when they were having a bad day. Yeah, and and that's the thing too, Trey. When you and you you called it, man. Like, it's it's so easy to say that, but when you live it as a player and say, "Hey, look, like good teams find a win, find a way to win on bad days," and Quite honestly, I will say that this happened on back-to-back -back games. I'm going to go back to the L.A. Chargers, okay, when they were playing that game. Oh, we're getting there. Justin Herbert we're leads them there. down. Yeah. A go, a, well, but I'm saying Justin Herbert goes down yeah. and leads them to, for, to a, uh, uh, like a lead, right? And then Jared Goff has to drive them down for a two-minute win. Okay, There was adversity there. They were having a good day, but a tight, tight win. And to have another win like this um, seven days later against a team you were definitely better than. Like, no yeah. doubt about it, you are better than the Chicago Bears. But when 
you have a win like this, it sort of galvanizes a franchise. And what does that mean? It calluses you to say, hey, when stuff hits the fan later in the season, this win could very well mean that they are really still in contention for the number one seed because when you actually break it down and look at their schedule, they are very much alive for the one seed. And it just, it, it like, that's the craziest thing about it is that you find a way to win in this game and you find a way to win, like, throughout the year, you're going to look back and you're going to circle this game. We should have lost this game. Nope. We scored the last 15 points of the game in two minutes and 15 seconds. This is a huge, huge win for the Detroit Lions on many different facets. Well, the interesting thing is what we're seeing from the Lions is the payoff of the belief of last year. Much in the same way we saw it, we're seeing it in real time with D'Amico Ryans and the Texans. You know, the, the Lions got off to a terrible start to the first nine weeks last year. And since week nine of, of last year, they've been one of the best teams in football. And it's a testament to Dan that when it was all going sideways again, that the, king, the team didn't quit on him. I knew that the, the team in Detroit was all in on Dan Campbell when they weren't giving up, when they were losing all those games. And that came to fruition the final six, seven weeks of last season. And it just rolled over into this season. And now the Lions, as you said, are really set up to potentially have a crack at being the number one seed in the NFC because of that belief. You know, people, you know, the whole Ted Lasso thing, you know, points to the sign believe. It is such a thing that people sort of trivialize. If you don't believe that you have what it takes to pull it out when it matters, you're never going to do it. And the hardest thing in the world to do is to give those players that belief when it's not working. And, and yeah. that's where guys like D'Amico and guys like Dan Campbell separate themselves because they find a way to, to deliver the message that it's going to work when it hasn't worked. Yeah, Trey, I love what you're saying about like Dan Campbell, D'Amico Ryans, the belief. The belief factor is real. It's not anything like people talk about it like, oh, you know, it's like the Ted Lasso effect, like you said. No. If you actually show real belief in your players, they will play harder for you. They will trust you. That's the biggest thing that I've seen in locker rooms. If a coach and a head coach lose the trust and the belief of the locker room, just get fired. Like there's no, there's no gaining that back. Whether that's for something you did, whether that's something, uh, a decision you made over the span of two or three years, and the guys just don't get it. Like you lose a locker room, you're over. There's no better people in this business right now, I think, that are better at building relational capital than Dan Campbell and also D'Amico Ryans. All right, you mentioned the F word. Not one that will get us kicked off the YouTube channel, uh, but firing. Um, is Brandon Saley going to have a very unhappy Thanksgiving? Because he was a little fiery after that loss in, in Green Bay. And he basically said, quit asking me the question. I'm calling the plays on defense. <laughs> Don't ask me again, because I'm going to do it. It certainly feels like we're reaching critical mass with the Chargers and Brandon Staley at this point. Yeah, look, I, uh, I get it. I get it that I know you love him. him I know you love him. I know you love him. At the end of the day, um, the results, the results don't speak for themselves. And quite honestly, like I I thought um, for the most part, like the defense did all right today, like one of their better games. And that's not saying much, but what I will say that when I'm watching the chargers, Keenan Allen, two drop touchdown passes in the red zone, 
Austin yeah. Eckler, a fumble in the red zone. Justin leads him yeah. back down, Crazy. has a huge play to Stone Smart for the lead, and then the defense can't hold. So it's just at the end of the day, um, he's a guy who the Chargers brought in that would be this defensive calling guru. And quite honestly, the sample size that it's worked out to Ben, it just is not the case because the defense is porous. They have the, they have the people. Look, I know Joey Bosa got hurt today. They have Cleo Mack. They have all these guys that make plays. And at the end, look, they're not mathematically out of it. They're, they're, you know, the AFC for the race for the seven seed is, is going to be wild. It's going to come down to the last couple weeks of the season. And they're very much alive. The only way I see, I see this happening, man, is if you make the playoffs, right? Like, and win a playoff game. Like I just, it's just, it's rough to watch, especially because it was my former team. I'm trying not to be biased. And just be honest. It's just, it's, just be it's, honest. You, yeah, you can and, have and the bias the as long thing. as you're honest about it. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing for me is like I love the guy, but at the end of the day, the results don't speak for themselves. Like they just don't. Like it's just, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to watch because I know what that locker room is. I know that the guys in the locker room really, really like him and yeah. trust him. But at the end of the day, it's something wrong that just lets the Chargers keep being the Chargers. Well, you know, chargering, as you know, is a term that uh, is used quite a bit. And while it may be all falling apart for Brandon Staley, it has fallen apart for the Jets. We come to bury the Jets, not to praise them. They get steamrolled <laughs> in New York, in Buffalo, 32-6. to six. And I, I just have to say this, okay? Like, everyone's like, oh, it's so bad that Aaron Rodgers isn't there. They'd be so much better. Well, you know what? You have organizational responsibility for this because both the front office and the coaching staff knew exactly what they had in Zach Wilson. Yeah. They knew exactly what he was, and more importantly, they knew exactly what he wasn't because they benched him last year for sucking, okay? Even when on that, that great run after the first couple of the weeks last year and they started winning all these games in Green Bay, go back and look at the offensive numbers. They were non-existent. So both Robert Sala and that coaching staff and GM Joe Douglas and everybody else in that organization were very comfortable with the idea of going in to this season as having Zach Wilson as the backup for 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers should something go wrong. That is a criminal offense, okay? You knew what you knew what Zach Wilson was and you knew what he wasn't and you were still okay with this being a, the backup for a guy who's going to turn 40 this year. You had a tweet earlier this week or this past week about the situation with Jake Browning and the Cincinnati Bengals, right? And yeah. it got over 2 million views, basically saying, yeah. you have to have a backup that is a functional quarterback in the NFL. The Jets have a Super Bowl-caliber defense, and they have enough weapons on offense, and they had the minimum of a backup quarterback, and it cost them any chance at a season. That's an organizational failure. That's not a Zach Wilson failure. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Organizational failure, 100%. And honestly, it starts with Joe Douglas because he is responsible for getting a quarterback in there that can play. He got, Aaron Rodgers got hurt like so early on in the year. You had the entire year to tell your team that we're still in. You, you trade for all these guys. You spend all this money. You bring all the Aaron Rodgers pieces in. And then you trust it to Zach Wilson, who is, love the guy. He's just not the answer. You know it. He ain't okay? it. There's enough. Listen, he ain't, he ain't it. it. We he all know it. that. We yeah. knew it last year, and now we and, know and, it even more. Yeah. And that's the thing. And you will agree with me. Like, go get Joe Flacco, bro. Like, like you had all this time to do it. Like, at least gives you a guy 
who has played at such a high level, MVP level, for a long time, can still do it, can still write the ship, and knows the people in the organization. Like, it just blows my mind that you're okay. And that's the whole point of the tweet. Like, forget about this. The whole point of the tweet is like, like, there's so many quarterbacks this year that are getting hurt. And all these franchises are doomed, like, other than a few, because you don't trust, and everyone's like, Oh, well, there's only, there's barely 32 starters. How are you going to get a good backup? There's plenty of backups. You just have to pay some money. You have to open up the checkbook. And there's very little teams that are doing that. There's a couple guys that make 7 million a year. There's a couple guys that make five. And after that, it's like two and one. And so you're just telling me if your starter goes down, this is what I feel like. If your starter goes down, um, forget it. I don't care. Like I'll just, I'll just play this backup and we'll be good to go. Like, that's not it. Like, hopefully this brings to the, to the top of the iceberg for somebody seems like you got to have two really good quarterbacks because this game's violent. This game's scary. This game's dangerous. Your guy's going to get hurt at some point. He's going to get dinged. I saw a tweet the other day. There's only been three quarterbacks that have not been on the injury report this year. Three out of 32. And you're telling me you trust some franchises into some of these guys. It's just, it's beyond me. It's just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Chase, is this a blatant attempt for how for you to get someone to call you and give you like a lot of money for the last few weeks? Of the hey, is that, is that what's, let's be honest. Is that what's going on here? Oh, is that what's hell going on here? no, dude. I'm chilling. <laughs> I'm at the in-laws having Thanksgiving, eating. No, man, I'm out of shape too. Uh-uh, I'm done. Nope. Well, here's, here's the other thing I'll say. I, I got some pushback. I'm like, benching him for who? Tim Boyle? I'm like, yes, you need to find out if Tim Boyle is better than Zach Wilson. Like literally yeah. you need you needed to find that out three weeks ago. You need to find that out three weeks ago. So it's not saying that Tim Boyle is going to be Aaron Rodgers. You don't need your backup to he be Aaron. To you be. need him to be competent. You need the backup yep. to be a competent, capable quarterback that can make a play or two that can win you a game. And for two seasons now, the Jets have known that Zach Wilson isn't that guy. That's why it's inexcusable, and that's why this should have happened weeks ago. And there's nothing that Salah or anybody else with the Jets front office can say that makes it okay. And that's the thing. That's the thing that's getting lost here too, Trey. Is like, like somehow, some way, they're still in the race for an AFC like playoff spot. Okay, and this whole talk are this they, week has been of Aaron Rodgers coming point? back. No, they are. They are. They, they are. They absolutely are. Because a, a 500 team could get you into the playoffs this year, and that's where the Aaron Rodgers thing comes in. Everyone wants Aaron Rodgers to come back. Everyone. Well, they won't. He won't have a chance to come back if they don't get at least a few games beyond 500 and have a chance to go at it at the end, depending on it. So there's so many different scenarios, and that's all people are talking about. Why don't you talk about the guy who's actually playing football or trying to play football on the field in Zach Wilson and is just not getting the job done? The Browns have signed Joe Flacco to their uh, practice squad. The Browns... The Browns are doing football better than the Jets. They football. are. They do football they are, better. They are doing football better than the yes. Jets right now. You could have had Joe Flacco at any time after Aaron Rodgers went down. Go back. They're probably a million and a half, two million. It's not even expensive. Yeah. Go back and look at the games that Joe Flacco played last season. You and I talked about it as soon as Rodgers went down. Yes. Look, you needed someone that was competent. You just needed someone that wasn't a train wreck. Instead, His they game said, against no, the Browns we- last year. Exactly. Instead, the Jets said, we think the train wreck is going to become the greatest thing ever. And that's why the Jets are always the Jets when push comes to shove. And, and that's that another happy thing, note, too. Well, hold on. No, because we're not yeah. ending yet. Because that's another thing you just told me. Because that is the biggest thing I think that um, I struggle with, with with GMs and teams. They draft a quarterback so high that they feel the need 
to prove to themselves and to fans that the guy we drafted is the answer. And we're going to stick with him through thick and thin to prove that we know how to evaluate talent, that we know how to evaluate games. That's not the case. How many times are you just got to cut it? Like, like, like the best, the best thing I can give credit to for the San Francisco 49ers, they knew they got it wrong with Trey Lance. They mortgaged the franchise for Trey Lance. They found the last pick in the draft and Brock Purdy. He is going to be our guy. They shipped Trey Lance off, cut their losses and moved on. The Jets have yet to do that. And it's costing them a chance at the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an organizational failure. Look, people say, well, how'd you know Aaron? He's 40. Okay, he's going to be 40. He's had injury problems in the past. Yes, you had to have a better backup plan than believing Zach Wilson was going to magically drink some potion and become better. And that's that's why the Jets season has gone off the rails. All right, my friend. I know you're in uh, Kansas City or Missouri for the holidays. I'm out, out with my parents. Uh, If I don't talk to you before Thanksgiving, have a great one, and we'll do this again next week. All right? Be good, buddy. 